This episode of The Enhancement Talent is brought to you by saxophones. Because what better gift to the man who's got it all than a ripping saxophone solo in his entrance music? Damn, that's smooth. Monty Sop, the wrestler known worldwide as Billy Gunn, has been entertaining wrestling fans since 1989. And over those 30 plus years in the industry, Billy has gone through his fair share of gimmick changes. On this episode of The Enhancement Talent, we celebrate this man's career by putting a spotlight on the characters and gimmicks that he has brought to life. Join us as we give you our top 10 Billy Gunn gimmicks of all time. All right, welcome back to another episode of the Enhancement Talent Podcast. I'm your host, the man in the rafters, the one they call Tony Lopez. With me tonight, as always, the other half of the amazing Lopez cousins, Dr. Bob Lopez. How are you doing tonight, Bob? I'm doing great, sir. How about yourself? Doing okay. Doing okay. Uh, summer starting to wind down a bit. Back to my security job at the old high school that started this last week. Um, but yeah, yeah, things are going okay. How about you? How are things going with yourself and uh, the remnants of the summer that we have left? Just been working. Keeps me busy. All day, yep. every day. <laughs> Fun time. Fun times indeed. And uh, out in beautiful Cary, Illinois, the Warsaw Blonde himself, Adam Kolovic. How you doing tonight, Adam? I'm doing great. How about you? Doing good. How's uh, the last days of summer treating you? Okay, uh, we're uh, we're getting ready to uh, take a uh, end of summer long weekend out to uh, Wisconsin Dells. So kids are looking forward to that. Nice. As am I. Could use a few days away so so that uh that'll be a good way to, to uh close things out kids go back a week from today so we get back the day before they start i'm looking forward to a couple uh great pay-per-views on the horizon from uh different continents yeah it's true um <clears throat> i always like going to the dolls by the way it's uh... yeah i've been since the pandemic so that's looking forward to that. Yeah, it's been it's been a while for me, but it's I I usually like going like early fall, like kind of in the off season. You know, not as many people there. Yeah, you know, it's it's still pretty cool, but um, but yeah, you know, interesting assortment of people up there in the Dells as always. But you know, it's go on some water slides, man. Get get in there. Yep, yeah, I'm. Uh, I'll probably uh, have to wear some Bears gear out there, uh, like our like our friend uh, Rich Tito out there. Uh, he was up in Milwaukee. He was wearing his Bears attire. Hats off to him. Oh yeah, Gotta draw he that po- MJF heat up there. Yeah, he uh, posted a picture on our fan page of him up in Milwaukee with uh, who was it? Um, the Crusher. The Crusher. 
That's right. You know, how many, how cool is it? They erect a statue of you, and it's just you with a fucking beer keg on your shoulders. <laughs> that's, that's the shit, you know? Sandman's probably got one in Philly just like it. Statue smash you. With a cigarette hanging out of it and yeah, Miller Lite, a case of Miller Lite in his hand. Doesn't Detroit have a, a RoboCop one? They do. They Capital do. Combat. They had. They had to. Uh, it was. Um, what's it called? They had the fan, like you know, GoFundMe for it. You know, they the there's people in Detroit who did a GoFundMe That's to right. erect to erect a statue of RoboCop in Detroit. But it's there, it's somewhere in Detroit. I'm not about to go drive out to Detroit to find out where exactly it's at. But you know. I do hear it's it's there somewhere. Now going back to the old school, maybe uh, if Detroit's got a RoboCop statue, maybe by uh, wherever the Bears wind up playing football, be it Soldier Field or somewhere else, maybe there could be a James RoboCop Thornton. Uh, oh yeah. Erected. Yeah, maybe. Cool. Or just like go full wrestling and have a, a statue of the fridge pulling Big John Stud out of the ring at WrestleMania two. I think that'd be cool. Or your boy Mongo. What's that? Or your boy Mongo. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Mongo is not in a good place right now, but he has made the, uh, I think, the finalist list of uh, induction or uh, induction into the Hall of Fame. He has, he's not, you know, he's not a finalist yet, but he's made the list. He's on the short list for uh, induction. So, big ups to, to Steve McMichael. I know he's you know he's battling Luke Gehrig's disease right now, and you know it's not looking good for him. But hopefully, you know in the long run, he can get into the Hall of Fame. I think I think he's worthy of the Hall of Fame. You know he was a hell of a player. So we'll see if he gets in. Now, you know, I wouldn't put him in the Hall of Fame for the Horsemen, but. I'd put him in the Hall of Fame. I'd put him in before Paul Roma. Yeah, maybe. That's about it. I wonder if... You You still put him as an honorable mention in your WCW list, so I'll never let you put that down. I did. Our very first episode. I'm not taking him back. His little dog. And his little dog, too. (laughs) Wasn't it Fifi? Yeah. A lot of Fifi's in WCW. Yeah. A lot of fifis. I wonder. I wonder if he still has that that uh, the Bears like varsity jacket that he had. It was just a black varsity jacket that just had Bears written on the front of it. Not sure if he still has it, but anyway, let's uh, let's get to the news, folks. Um, the big news coming out of this week was. Um, I guess post-collision on Saturday, uh, CM Punk cut some kind of promo against uh, Hangman Page, uh, basically saying that Hangman Page doesn't move any kind of doesn't move merchandise. That Punk is, you know, the one who who uh, he's the face that runs the place kind of thing. You know, he's the one who who uh, moves the merchandise. 
people, you know, it, people caught it on their cameras, recorded it, of course. It did, it aired after Collision, so um, it wasn't caught live for the cameras. Um, and then after that, all this other news started breaking, like, you know, it depends on which wrestling publication you were listening to. Either, you know, Hangman was, you know, refused entry at collision or his promo was moved from collision uh ryan nemeth was you know told to leave christopher daniels was told to leave um all this other stuff and it 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 was weird to navigate it because like like you said it, it was like seven different versions coming from seven different publications all about the same thing and you didn't know who to believe you know, it, it's just kind of weird. Um, from what I gather, in the week, um, or in the few days since, the only thing that I've heard that's been confirmed is um, the promo that Punk cut on Hangman was a, was a work. He did it as a way to try and um, get an angle going between him and the Elite somehow, even though the Elite still refused to work with him. Um, and that the promo didn't come off the way he wanted it to. So he um, ended up texting Hangman afterwards apologizing for it. And I guess Hangman is, has uh, confirmed that as well. Um, as far as Hangman not being um, allowed into collision, I guess that's been debunked now too. They just said that it's not that he wasn't allowed at division at a collision. They just moved the location of where they, he was going to do his pre-tape promo. But as far as Ryan Nemeth goes, that is true. I guess punk pulled his weight and, uh, he doesn't want Ryan Nemeth anywhere around collision. Um, and I guess the same was, I heard the same thing was true about Christopher Daniels too. And I, I kind of like, arch my eyebrow because Christopher Daniels is the head of fucking talent relations. Uh-huh. How are you going to tell him he's not allowed uh-huh. at collision? You yep. know? Um, so yeah, it's just a, it's just a weird thing. I think a lot of it was much ado about nothing, but there are a couple of things that kind of, you know, the big, the big thing for me is the Christopher Daniels thing. I don't give a shit about Ryan Nemeth. He's barely on TV anyway. Um, but yeah, I mean, what are your guys' uh, insights into this whole punk drama? Uh, we'll start with you, Bob. So I, I saw the video afterwards, and then I um, I did hear, like you said, that uh, he apologized to Hangman Page um, via text message. I did see the thing about um, Ryan Nemeth, which is... Uh, What's his name's brother? Uh, Dolph Ziggler's brother. Dolph Ziggler, yeah. So when CM Punk came out and returned at Collision the second time, um, he called out. He made he made the um, he made the comment about the elite. Um, so then Nemeth on Twitter called CM Punk soft. Uh, so I guess Punk was upset about that and got up in his face backstage. And called him out on it, and they told Nemeth to leave. Um, the issues with Christopher Daniels was he was involved in the the brawl after All Out last year. He was a part of it, 
and CM Punk's thing is if Ace Steel can't be backstage, uh, who was also a part of the brawl, if he can't be backstage, then Christopher Daniels should not be allowed backstage either, which Tony Khan agreed on. That's why he was sent home. Um, Matt Hardy was a part of that somehow. I don't know why he was sent back. They never really came out and said anything about Matt Hardy. And then the last one was uh, he got into it with Jungle Boy as well. Because um, I guess Jungle Boy wanted to use real glass uh, during one of his matches. Um, CM Punk told him that that was a bad idea. Uh, and he was being careless. And one of the reasons they thought that Jungle Boy wanted to use real glass was because I guess he wanted to take time off and take the week off and not come to their show. So CM Punk pretty much called him out on it. And uh, so did a lot of other people backstage, pretty much called out Jungle Boy saying, no, don't use that. And uh, I guess there was uh, an altercation with Jungle Boy as well. But um, I don't know, it kind of goes back and forth. I, I get the whole issue with, uh, you know, Hangman and apologizing afterwards because it doesn't come off as how he wanted it to be. Um, yeah, like you said, the whole issues with Christopher Daniels and Matt Hardy afterwards are kind of puzzling. Um, it, it kind of sucks that, all, again, all this drama starts coming out right before the biggest pay-per-view event that you have. Um, but hopefully it's something that they can kind of get situated, fixed, and brushed under the rug before uh, this shit continues to be uh, an issue for moving forward. Yeah, I mean, I agree. I, I think a lot of it, I mean, Punk does does himself no favors a lot of the time, but in in this case in this case i i think a lot of it was much ado about nothing and i think a lot of the the wrestling websites they know that cm punk creates traffic they know if there's drama going on people are going to click so they run with stories without really confirming it which is kind of what punk's been saying the whole time about wrestling publications and he's claiming that it's just you know reinforcing what he's already saying which I could see but also like I said he doesn't do himself any favors either uh, Adam what's your uh, stance on this whole thing yeah um, yeah, and I can understand that point I mean media as a whole can be that way um, if you take wrestling out of the equation a lot of media outlets just say however they want to say it it's, it's a different world now they just you know publish what they feel like publishing a lot of the time so I can see where that would be frustrating. Uh, on the other hand, uh, I'm, I agree with you, Tony, about the Christopher Daniels thing. Uh, that's a guy who's in charge. He's got a high-ranking position. I think, you know, insisting he stay away backstage is, is a stretch. Um, I don't know why he gets to make that call. Again, you know, as Bob mentioned, oh, well, if, if Ace Steel can't be there, then why should Daniels? And it's like, well, I don't think Christopher Daniels uh, was biting people um, and stirring shit. He was trying to break things up. Uh, so I don't, I don't see how that's one and the same. Um, uh, so you said that uh, Hangman confirmed that uh, he received. Uh, yeah, that, yeah, Punk. that that all was ref- confirmed. Yeah. Okay. Well, you know that's that's a step in the right direction. So I'm glad that that's true because uh, you know I think Hangman deserved an apology for the first time this happened. Um, it looked like he was reacting to the sign which I saw during the Collision show uh, 
this is Hangman Country. Um, and yeah, I mean, if, if you can kind of see with with uh, the thing I like, uh, you can kind of see in Collision that uh, his character ping pongs a lot. You know, it's like one minute he says something to endear himself to the to the fans, and then the next minute he says something to piss them off. And I, I'm, I've, I've been pretty focused, uh, or I've been enjoying the feud with Ricky Starks because the fans seem to ping pong depending on where where they're at. Like the, some markets seem to prefer Ricky Starks, and then others prefer Punk. And you know, just every every match he wrestles in, kind of you got the you know, let's go so and so, CM Punk. Let's go so and so, CM Punk. So I, I really like the way that the crowd is divided on him. So I don't know if he's was just trying to expand on that. Um, Could be. I, I, I do think uh, it'd be beneficial to all if he goes full out heel, because that just seems to be. I think that's what I heard is that that's the long term plan. Eventually, he is going to turn heel, um, and you could kind of see them telegraphing that a, a bit with how he's been on television. Yeah, um, I think eventually, yes, he is going to be healed. They're just trying. I think they're just drawing it out. I think they're circling the runways, just seeing if they can get the matches uh, that could come out of this uh, signed off on. Because it's obvious that Punk will work with any of them, but but uh, on the other side of the fence, we're not quite sure. Well, from what I hear, the only one in the elite that is willing to work with Punk is Omega. Omega's been on record saying, yeah, I'll, I'll work with Punk. But the other three, you know, the Bucks and uh, Hangman, you know, they still refuse. So who knows? You know, we'll yeah. see We'll see what happens with that. Um, I do think eventually Hulk, Punk will, you know, turn full heel. And I think a lot of what he's going to do, you know, I, the, my first reaction when all this went down was, come on, guys, it's a work. He's trying, you know, he's he's trying to set up himself as a heel. And it turned out that the promo that he cut on Hangman was a work. It just didn't turn out the way he wanted it to, which, you know, which is why he apologized. But, um, yeah, I just think it. all of this, I think, is just snowballing to him just becoming a full-fledged heel, which, like you, Adam, I think is the way he should go. So we'll see how it all ends up. Um, yeah, I mean, I'll, again, I think it's a step in the right direction if he apologized, because, again, I, otherwise I don't see why we're carrying the same thing for over a year now about one thing that Hangman said in, in yeah. an interview that's that's a little Brit Hardish to me, um, mm-hmm. which, of course, he's a huge fan of him. So, <laughs> Yeah. Well, how... In other news, uh, tonight, you know, they've been they've been slowly um, over the last week or, you know, a little over a week, been revealing matches for the upcoming All-In event in England. Um, and I don't know, are any of you by your com- computer, because my, my phone's about to die out of battery, if you can bring up... Um, some of the matches that have already been that have been announced so far for all in um just you know because they've already surpassed officially the number of tickets sold for SummerSlam 92 back in the day um even though 
it's not the same Wembley Stadium as the one in, you know, they've, they've redone Wembley Stadium since 92, but um, they have surpassed that attendance mark. Uh, and they did a lot of that without announcing a single match. But now the matches are start slowly starting to come together. Um, who has the list? Bob, do you have the list? Yep. Yeah. Okay. So uh, what matches have been announced so far for All In? Well, you got the confirmed main event um, <clears throat> with MJF and Adam Cole for the title for the AEW Championship. Um, you have the AEW tag team titles, um, FTR versus the Young Bucks. The, uh, you have the Women's World Championship in a four-way match. Um, you got Soraya, um, Karoshida, Tony Storm, and tonight Britt Baker became the fourth person in that match. Um... You have the trios match of Bullet Club Gold and Takeshja versus Hangman, Kenny Omega, and Kota Ibushi. Um, you have confirmed as of tonight Chris Jericho is going up against Will Ospreay. You have... Um, tonight it was confirmed as well. It's the Black Bull Combat Club along with three other people that they did not announce... So three more mystery partners versus the best friends, Chuck, um, uh, Chuck, Trent, and Orange Cassidy, along with uh, Ray Phoenix and Penta and Eddie Kingston. So it's going to be six versus six in a stadium stampede match that they confirmed tonight. Nice. Um, you have the coffin match, which is Sting and Darby Allen versus Swerve Strickland and A.R. Fox. And then you have the Zero Hour Ring of Honor Tag Team Championship match with Aussie Open versus MJF and Adam Cole. And then there's they were also mentioning, but they have not confirmed, uh, CM Punk versus Samoa Joe. Nice. That's a hell of a card that's rounding out. Um, I just I, couldn't I, help but laugh. Uh, I don't know if either of you saw um, Adam Cole and MJF preparing for Aussie Open tonight. I, I was I didn't see dynamite, but it right, was funny as hell. So. Yeah, those two have really you know in the short amount of time Fucking that they've incredible. been together, love it. That is, I, I oh man, I I'm kind of dreading that they're going to break them up, you know, but they really do work well together, uh, and it's kind of interesting that they're pulling double duty. Like you said, they're going to be in that zero hour tag match with Aussie Open. And then they're going to main event for the, for the belts against each other. So that's going to be a really interesting story to play out. I have I have my theory on that. Yeah, but I don't really like it because you got a stacked ass roster to begin with, and it's like, why are you going to have them pull double duty if you got someone else on the card you can actually put in there? It's true, that is true. But I mean, unless it, unless you're doing it for story purposes. I think I think it's, so. def- it's definitely for storyline purposes, but I mean could have yeah. done it somewhere else. Yeah. Well, um and then I mean all out which is in Chicago that's going to be what a you know a, a week later. A week later. Yeah, they haven't really started um 
doing any uh, match announcements for that either. So, just a really interesting time to be an AEW fan right now. Um, WWE, uh, news on that front, uh, Lacey Evans is finally gone. Um, and that's she, in order. <laughs> yeah, she uh, she announced on her Instagram that she's going back to her, you know, original name, which is Macy Astoria, and she is no longer Lacey Evans. She is not with WWE anymore. Who knows where she's going to end up? Um, but yeah, she just never clicked. Just never clicked in WWE, no matter what they could do for her, whether it's the Southern Bell or the, you know, female Sergeant Slaughter, nothing worked for her. So she's gone. Um, what else? I'm trying to think of some other WWE news. Well, you know, Jay Uso's gone. He's coming to AEW. You know that, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The dirt shits <laughs> are all over that shit. Yeah, Jay uh, Uso. No, the IWC, too. Yeah. Jey Uso announced Confirmed. on uh, SmackDown that uh, he's leaving WWE, which, of course, he's not leaving WWE. They're just, um, he's probably just going to be out for a while. They're going to work something in for him that'll probably culminate sometime. Probably around S- Survivor Series, which is going to be here in Chicago as well. Um, yeah. So. A lot of interesting things going on. A lot of interesting things. But we will keep you updated on the news as it happens uh, next week. But that's all we got for now. So now that we're done with the news, let's get to the task at hand. Um, We've been trying to do this episode for uh, a bit now. Um, Things have just popped up that have prevented us to do it. But now we're finally pinning it down. This was suggested by none other than the brother of the Warsaw Blonde himself, uh, Mr. Chris Kulavik, on our Facebook fan page. He says that we haven't done a really just flat-out silly episode in a while. So he suggested that we do the top ten Billy Gunn gimmicks of all time, which is exactly what we're going to do tonight. And what's really... You know, kind of because we tried to record this a while ago. We had some technical difficulties, so we put it on the shelf. Since then, Billy Gunn, I don't know if it's in storyline or for real, but he, uh, he, he took his boots off in the middle of the ring and, and implied that he was retired. He's going so, to WWE, confirmed. Confirmed. Yes, IWC. Um, but yes, uh, he. You know, on an episode of, uh, I think it was Dynamite. It was Collision. Oh, it was Collision. I'm sorry. Um, who who was who was uh, who were they facing? House when, of Black. Uh, it was the House Black. of Black. Yeah. And um, at the end of the match, uh, <coughs> Billy Gunn got all emotional, undid the laces on his boots, and as is tradition, leaving your boots in the ring is a sign that that's it. You're retired. That's it. You're calling it quits. So, um, I'm sure that's just storyline. You know, Billy Gunn still looking great as ever. But he is up there in this age. Guy's all. I mean, he's 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 what, 59? He, he, or has he eclipsed it? Is he, mm-hmm. is he 60 yet? 
I, I don't know. He's he's in his high fifties. I know that for sure. Um, but we figure he will be sixty on November the first. One okay, my wife's so he turned birthday. He turned I sixty tell my this wife year. That her and daddy has have the same birthday. Should there you go. There you go. So I mean, it's not unheard of for a sixty-year-old to be on AEW's roster. Just look at Sting. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, Billy Gunn. Uh, for the time being, is out of the picture. So, not only is this a um, <clears throat> a suggestion from Chris, it also kind of serves as a fitting tribute to one Monty Sop and the uh, the the legacy that he has uh, he has had in professional wrestling. So, we're going to do exactly that. We're going to celebrate the top ten gimmicks of one Billy Gunn. Um, well, not the one Billy Gun, just one Billy Gun. Um, so how how it's going to play out is we're going to do the gimmicks from ten to one, just like we do every week. Uh, but instead of having honorable mentions this week in the honorable mentions section, we will give you as we voted our top five Billy Gun themes of all time. Um, as you guys know, um, going back to our Billy Gunn Memorial Worst Wrestling Themes episode, which is a favorite among all of us. Uh, Billy Gunn was really well represented in that particular countdown. So we will uh, we will again uh, take a vote just to see exactly what is the best of the best when it comes to the themes of Billy Gunn, as well as his gimmicks. So without further ado, let's get going. Let's start at number 10. Number 10 came in with 7 points, and it got the 7 points from being number 9 on both Bob and Adam's lists, and it was number 8 on my list. It is Rockabilly coming in at number 10 on our top 10 Billy Gunn gimmicks of all time. Now, Rockabilly, um, the story behind Rockabilly is um, Billy Gunn had been part of a tag team called the Smoking Guns, which we'll talk more about later. Um, but that the time in the Smoking Guns had come to an end. That team dissolved, so they needed something new for Billy to do. So what they did was they bought back the greatest intercontinental champion of all time, the Honky Tonk Man, and they made Billy Gunn his... his uh, they made him the mentor of Billy Gunn. And um, the character went from being, you know, he, Billy Gunn was his character named the Smoking Guns that also was carried over throughout his career. But he went on to become now Rockabilly, which was a, um, you know, following in Honky Tonk Man's footsteps, a, uh, a singing, guitar playing uh, protege of the Honky Tonk Man. And... Um, yeah, there's a reason why this is number 10, because this gimmick sucked ass. Uh, you know, Billy Gunn, bless him. He's, he's, always a, he's always a sport trying to get things over, but this, uh, this Rockabilly thing just was not, it, it was not happening. Uh, short-lived, um, the crowd just never got into it. If you look on just lists of the worst gimmicks in wrestling history, not just Billy Gunn gimmicks, but wrestling history altogether. Rockabilly 
does have a place on a lot of those lists. Um, Bob, you had this at number nine on your list. What do you have to say about the rockabilly gimmick? Originally, the uh, the gimmick was made for Disco Inferno. Uh, his contract was running out with WCW, and um, he was supposed to come over to the WWE, so they were going to have him as a Honky Tonk Man's uh, protege. Uh, last second, Disco re-signed with WCW, so they uh, had already started teasing um, this gimmick because the Honky Tonk Man had came out and said that he was going to promise a new protege that was going to shake the world and change the landscape of professional wrestling. And uh, when he re-signed with WCW, they gave it to Billy Gunn, who was just coming back from an injury because he gets injured all the time. And, um, yeah, the, like you said, it was very short-lived. It only lasted four months. Um, you know, he had an outstanding feud with Brackus and uh, Flash Funk. <laughs> Um, mostly on Shotgun Saturday night before uh, he and the Road Dog decided to uh, do something on their own and um, take off from there. But, yeah, it was uh, a very, very horrible, shitty gimmick. How about you, Adam? What do you got to add when it comes to Rockabilly? Rockabilly, uh, to me, represents a time. Uh, he, he's a good representation of where WWF was a comp- as a company at the time that we're talking. Um, I want to say that it would have been early '97, and of course by then you had NWO uh, over in uh, WCW, uh, you had ECW. You, you know, the, you know they're going more towards reality-based programming, and and how does Vince get the nose up on this thing? compete with his competitors uh let's resurrect gimmicks from 10 years ago um and since uh, our buddy wayne ferris uh wasn't really uh capable of wrestling very well anymore um let's let's give him someone younger who can't sing and who can't dance and who can't wrestle that was that was the concept <laughs> there um, and as you both said, uh, it, it, it went over like a fart in church. Uh, I was at WrestleMania 13. The dark match was uh, Rockabilly versus uh, Flash Funk. And again, I, I wasn't like a regular viewer. I just went to go to WrestleMania since I could. And so uh, I see Flash Funk come out. I'm like, ooh, uh, that's too cold Scorpio. That's cool. And then I saw rockabilly come out I'm like what's this idiot from the smoking guns doing out here and then he got he got to go over too so uh yeah just uh vince just continuing to try to build that 80s cow uh our friend monty was an unfortunate victim of that and would not be the last time he was victim of a horrible gimmick oh no we have a lot more to go when it comes to that yeah but at number 10 starting off with seven points We have Rockabilly. All right. Let's get to number nine on our list. Number nine comes in with eight points. And he got the eight points from being number three on Adam's list. (laughs) It is Billy Gunn, the pandemic seat filler, coming in at number nine with eight points. This is all you, Adam. It was number three on your list. Tell us about Billy Gunn, the pandemic seat filler. Uh, yeah, Billy is just, if nothing else, he's, he's like, his uh, little marks he's made in my fandom, uh, little, like, footnotes. Uh, I first encountered the pandemic seed filler when uh, we started doing this fine program, and uh, Tony mentioned uh, the winner's coming pay-per-view 
uh, which would feature Kenny Omega versus John Moxley for the AEW title. Uh, so I started, uh, that was the first Dynamite I watched, and then I started to watch it on a regular basis. And the first few weeks, I'm like, why the fuck is Billy Gunn in the front row? Why is he sitting there? And, of course, this was 2020. Uh, we're at the height of COVID. Uh, AEW did all its shows at Daly's Place. Uh, had very, you know, limited amount of seats filled. So, um, because they could only let so many people in the arena due to regulations at that time, uh, Billy Gunn was very helpful. And and uh, Mr. Ass's ass uh, occupied that seat at... Uh, at ringside with his two kids, uh, the Gun Club, uh, each and every week, and Billy was like, um, there's a, for you Bulls fans out there, um, when Dennis Rodman came to the Bulls, uh, he brought a guy along with him, uh, who was there to babysit him, uh, by the name of Jack Haley. Uh, Jack Haley earned an NBA contract for a year babysitting Dennis Rodman, wearing his suit, standing up and clapping. And uh, Billy Gunn was Jack Haley. He would just stand up and clap for the high spots. He'd, he'd cheer for the faces. He'd, he'd boo the bad guys. And, uh, yeah, you're just watching him like, why is Billy Gunn sitting in the front row? It's just like, it just, it just got to me every week. Like, they got nothing for this guy to do than just sit there with his sons. So, um, you know, uh Ringside wouldn't have been the same. You would have had an empty seat, uh, just like Hulk Hogan's tearful ballad, uh, Hulkster in Heaven. There'd be one less full seat uh, at the uh, at Daly's place during a difficult time in wrestling. So Billy had a tremendous contribution by by being a cheerleader uh, in the front row, and I just wanted to acknowledge that. Nice. Yep. Bill, proud Papa Billy going out there with his boys. During the uh, during the pandemic, making their faces seen out in Daily Place. Yeah, pandemic seat filler. He was, you know, somebody had to do it. I guess. Uh, he had to show yeah. up every week and sit down. I mean, not everybody can do that. Yeah, that's very true, and that's why he is at number nine on our list. Pandemic seat filler, Billy Gunn, with eight points. All right, let's get to number eight on our list. Number eight comes in with 11 points. He got the 11 points from being number nine on my list. He's number seven on Bob's list. And, Adam, you had him at number six on your list. It is Kip James coming in at number eight with 11 points. Adam, let's start with you. You had it at number six. Tell us about Kip James. So, Kip James was, uh, this has an interesting backstory. Uh, this was, of course, uh, Monty Sop uh, leaving the WWF and winding up in a fledgling uh, TNA, now known as Impact Wrestling. Um, you know, he just showed up without a name because, uh, of course, Billy Gunn was a trademark of the WWE. So, uh he decided, oh, well, since I can't use Billy Gunn, uh, I'm going to call myself the New Age Outlaw. And he formed a stable with uh, good old Jeff Jarrett and, uh, you know, future Hall of Famer Monty Brown. Uh, they formed the group Planet Jarrett. And then WWE stepped in again and said, we're going to sue your ass if you use the term New Age Outlaw. Uh, shortened it to the Outlaw. Uh, so finally, uh, after another thousand uh, name changes 
they settled on Kip James. There was uh, nothing WWE could do about that, and why would they want to? Because that just sounds like a jobber name. Uh, so that uh, that particular gimmick uh, featured him, you know, kind of flirting with reuniting with uh, the Road Dog, who was also in TNA, uh, who couldn't use the Road Dog name, of course, either. And yeah, uh, then I guess. He was also in a group called Three Life Crew with uh, everyone's favorite 24-7 champion, Ron Killings and Conan. Um, so, you know, they had Matt Classics like uh, Kip James and Monty Brown against R-Truth and Conan. Uh, who wouldn't want to buy a ticket for that? So, uh, yeah, it was just it was just a muddling mess, basically. You know, he changed his, it, it was kind of like Brutus Beefcake in WCW. had like five or six different names before settling on, on Kip James and uh, participating in mediocre feuds that nobody cared about. So in that sense, he got to retain his singles career in WWE. But, uh, yeah, uh, it was, it was I guess for TNA, it was a win because it was a, a name that had been on television that everybody recognized. But he just, you know, he ran into the uh, Jerry McDivitt copyright uh, train, basically. Yep. Well, Bob, you had this at number uh, seven on your list. What do you have to say when it comes to Kip James? Yeah, this is like Adam said, what he was trying to get back in the graces with uh, the Road Dog, who at the time was known as BG James. So uh, he changed his name to Kip James, kind of say that he was part of the family, uh, started even billing himself from Marietta, Georgia, which is where the Road Dog is from. And then eventually they got back in good graces. They became the James Gang. And since our boy Vince Russo was the one writing during this time, he ended up changing the James Gang over to the Voodoo Kin Mafia, which, yeah. if you think about it, is the Vincent Kennedy McMahon initials. And uh, they would come out and pretty much rip on DX and the WWE um, until they got bored with it and he had uh, Kip James turn on... BG James, and um, that was the end of that wonderful character that he had there. Yeah, yeah, it's really not much to uh, to report on. Um, Voodoo <laughs> Kin Mafia was was terrible. Um, it, it reminded me of the days when uh, you know Vince McMahon would would uh, rip on rip on Dusty, you know, calling him. You know that's where Virgil came from, and and everything. And then when Virgil went over to WCW, they renamed him Vincent for for Vince McMahon. Don't forget VK Wall Street. Yeah, VK Wall Street. Of course, it just seems like that kind of petty shit that you know the guys backstage would oh you know, get it you know VKM Voodoo Kin Mafia and everybody else is like who gives a shit? It's it, just wrestling. Yeah, it's just wrestling. <laughs> But uh, yeah, and anything, anything having to do with uh, Billy Gunn when he was in Impact, I I don't really have a lot to say because I wasn't watching Impact at that time. Um, Still, don't really watch Impact all that much, but I've heard a lot of bad things, and the whole Kip James thing uh, is one of it. So yeah, that's why uh, Kip James belongs at number eight. With 11 points. Did they at least come out to funk number 49? 
No, 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 By no, no. Joe no. Walsh and the James Malden. No, they're not that cool. That's a shit show, then. Well, at number seven, you mentioned this before, Adam, when you were running down with Kip James. Uh, this one comes in with 13 points, and it got the 13 points from being number eight on Bob's list. It was number seven on my list. It was number five on your list. It's The Outlaw coming in at number seven with 13 points. Adam, tell us about The Outlaw. Again, uh, just because you know a company like TNA probably didn't think too much about things like copyright and, and stuff like that, and anyone that you talk to about Vince Russo knows that Russo is a one week wonder with storylines. He'll just they'll drop somebody and go, Oh, this person's here and then he doesn't know what to do with them. So probably didn't even check legally to see can we call this guy, you know, Billy Gunn, can we call this guy the New Age Outlaw? because um, I'm sure Vince felt uh, Russo that is felt that he had a right to because uh, I'm sure he probably had a hand in the gimmick, so he probably figured that he could just call him whatever he wants and again in the world of the, which he should have known because WWE sued WCW for uh, copyright Scott Hall when he wasn't even calling himself Razor Ramon in WCW so it was just a way to get him integrated try to have the shock value that he was there and so they're just trying to tap into his past rather than uh, you know invent anything new uh, for him and uh like we said already, it just uh, it just got squashed pretty early because of uh, he couldn't call himself that. So um, besides that, it's like you know how long had it been since New Age Outlaws were a t- were a team at that point? It'd been five, six, seven years since they teamed together. So who gives a shit anyway? So mm-hmm. uh, you know, it's just another instance of oh well, this worked eight years ago, so let's let's do it again. Yep. Well, Bob, you had uh, the outlaw at number eight on your list. What do you have to say about it? Adam mentioned a lot about it um, with his debut and the legal action. And he only had uh, ten total matches under that gimmick. Uh, like you said, he he feuded with our uh, truth and had a victory over Kevin Nash at a pay per view. But the the character only lasted like three months. But very very short lived for him. Yeah, it's, I mean, Kip James and the Outlaw, they kind of run into each other. Um, It's, you know, them just throwing shit at the wall just to see what would stick. Uh, And not a lot of it it, uh, was sticking when it came to Billy Gunn and TNA. TNA. That's a good summation of what TNA was about that that time. Yeah, pretty much. Obviously, you had some talent there with the X Division. You had Samoa Joe, but oh, there, was yeah. a lot of, there was a lot of dumb shit in between. Brother. Um, yes. But, yeah, that's why we have the Outlaw at number seven with 13 points. All right, let's get to number six on our list. Number six comes in with 15 points, and he got the 15 from being number 10 on Adam's list. It's number five on my list, and Bob, you had this at number three on your list. This is when, um, well, speaking of my birthday, thank you, Bob, again for the cameo present that you sent me. Um, you gave you gave me a message from one half of the tag team that we're about to talk about, 
Chuck Palumbo was on the one half, and Billy was on the other, making the team of Chuck and Billy. And this is our number six, Billy from Chuck and Billy, coming in at number six with 15 points. Bob, you had Billy from Chuck and Billy as number three on your list. Tell us about him. This is around 2001-2002. This is after he stopped the the one Billy Gunn gimmick for the first time. Um, He lost to Chuck Palumbo, I believe, on like Velocity or Sunday Night Heat or some shit like that. And after the loss, they agreed to be a tag team. Um, After a short bit of time, they started dressing the same, and then eventually they... uh, they dyed their hair the same, and then the, the storyline was of uh, these two being really good friends and kind of like a homosexual uh, relationship, which at that time was something different, which is kind of funny when they were doing that. Um, they started wearing like the hot pink uh, tights and headbands, and um, they end up going to SmackDown where they beat Spike Dudley and Taz for the for the title for the tag titles. Um, they had Rico Constantino join them as their personal stylist. Um, surprisingly, if you remember WrestleMania 18, they went a four-way versus the Hardys, the Dudleys, and the APA. Um, they end up losing the belts to Rico and Rikishi, but then they win the belts again for the second time and eventually lose them, uh, to Hulk Hogan and Edge, um, the second time. Eventually, they uh, they want to make each other life partners, and they have a uh, the wedding. I believe it was for Raw. Um, they were about to get married, and then eventually they break down and say, "Nope, it was a hoax. This was all uh, a gimmick, a storyline. Um, we're really not getting married." And then the priest, who at that time turned and uh, turned out to be Eric Bischoff, called out three minute warning. They come out, they destroy everybody, and then the uh, the tag team of Chuck and Billy get disbanded, and he becomes Mr. Ass for the second time after that. Um, completely different for its time. Creative. Uh, fun to watch. Just a lot of the skits that they did together. So um, That's why it was kind of high up on my list, just because it was uh, when I try and think about Billy Gun gimmicks, that's one that stands out for me. Yeah, it stood out for me, too. Um, it's really weird because, you know, Billy and Chuck, they were put together, of course. You know, it's it's long been a staple of especially old school wrestling. Not so much now because people's views on homosexuality have progressed. But back in the day, it was very common for, um, you know, people to be flamboyant characters in order to get a rise out of the crowd. The You know, the average wrestling crowd being... A little bit on the homophobic side, I think you could say, especially back in the day. Um, you would get, you know, the fans chanting slurs at everybody, you know, that kind of thing. I, But I liked what um, Billy and Chuck were doing. You know, it, it was, it was kind of cool to have, you know, even if it was, you know, even if they fucked up the whole thing at the end, to have, you know gay representation in some form on wrestling um, to the point where GLAD, the Gay Lesbian Alliance uh, group, uh, gave big big ups to uh, the WWE for the Billy and Chuck uh, team. Uh, but, 
like like you said during that whole wedding thing they dropped the ball they admitted the whole thing was a ruse for you know it was just a hoax the the, the whole entire thing they weren't gay not that there was anything wrong with that i know i remember them saying during the whole wedding thing um but it was you know they could have handled that i think in my opinion a whole lot better but it was i think um as far as billy gunn's career um in the upper echelon you know it it, it did expose him uh to an to a whole new uh, audience and it did raise his visibility level especially after you know post new age outlaws so yeah that's why i had uh billy from billy and chuck at number five on my list adam you had this at number 10 on your list what do you have to say about billy from billy and chuck both of them personally are not my favorite workers so that's probably why they were lower on my list but you guys make good points in, in the fact that you know as we progress here billy gunn uh was best utilized as a tag wrestler and um i think you know he gets credit for you know he's made a couple teams like, like as you mentioned uh, they kind of threw them together this wasn't like oh we got to get these guys together and see what happens it's like we got nothing for this guy let's put him with uh road dog let's put him with chuck palumbo um, you know, both of them were doing diddly squat, obviously, if they're wrestling each other on velocity. So let's put them together, see what happens. And, yeah, as you mentioned, it was something different and creative um, in, in a time, especially given the time it was, yeah, it was not uh, a mainstream thing to do. Um, and they, they played the parts well, and it got him noticed. It got him regular TV time, so it was definitely one of the most successful gimmicks he's had. Um, I tend to agree, too, that uh, I'm not sure why it ended the way they did. Uh, you know, just, you know, the, the, to get all that positive buzz and goodwill, as you mentioned earlier, only to have it to be fodder for, uh, you know, a three-minute warning to... Uh, to beat the shit out of them and have Bischoff laugh, like which they had done forty five different times prior to that. It's kind of a disappointing ending, but uh, but yeah, I mean, people are still talking about it today, and it's one of his most recognizable gimmicks. Uh, but the ending was kind of flat, uh, unfortunately. Yeah. Well, they disbanded because he got hurt again. <laughs> he got hurt again. It's true. No, that's why. That that's is, why they broke him up because he was he got hurt that, again. Is that so right? Yeah. No, no, I, I laugh because, yeah, because he did get hurt again because he's yeah. injury-prone like a motherfucker. Yeah. But, yeah, um, be that as it may, Billy from Billy and Chuck ends up at number six on our list with 15 points. All right, let's get to number five on our list. Number five comes in with 16 points, and he got the 16 points from being number eight on Adam's list. He was number five on Bob's list, and he was number four on my list, and he's got it all. It is the one, Billy Gunn, coming in at number five with 16 points. Um, he deserves to be in the top five just from his entrance theme alone, which, right. which of course we'll, uh, we'll get to later on in the show. But um, we're talking about the one Billy Gunn, and this, this came about... Um, after Degeneration X breaks up, you know, Triple H pretty much scuttles DX once he joins up with uh, with Stephanie and 
you know, joins the the family, as it were, the uh, the McMahon clan. Um, and after that, they what they just try to do f- find new shit for DX to do, and the new thing they wanted, f- or the big the new thing they had for Billy Gunn was um, proclaiming him to be the one. And they gave him new music. They were gonna all set to push him uh, for the IC belt. He was gonna he was gonna be uh, a, a solo star until. Uh, the Rock comes along and just totally annihilates him on the mic, and after that, that singles push just went bye bye, and uh, he goes from being uh, a new solo contender to just you know following China around like a puppy dog, which is basically what he did through the entirety of that whole. One Billy Gunn thing. Yeah, he was China's friend. And Michael Cole was very adamant and very clear. Yeah. That they they're, were friends. They're, they're friends. Yeah, the China's friend, the one Billy Gunn. Um, it was it was dead on arrival. The second The Rock, you know, just took that mic and just jammed it up his ass, it was, it, it was, it was lights out for the one Billy Gunn. But, hey... At least we got the theme song from it, and that'll always be cool. Yeah, um, yeah definitely. Roller uh, Boyette production. Exactly. Uh, Bob, you had the one Billy Gunn at number five on your list. What do you have to say about him? <laughs> well, like you said, in 2000, when he was kicked out of DX, uh, he came back with China, and they started feuding with the right to censor, if you remember. And uh, this, he was still calling himself Mr. Ass at that time, so they had a stipulation where if they lost, he would no longer be able to call himself Mr. Ass. So he lost to Stevie Richards and Val Venus at No Mercy. And for a short period of time, he was known as just Billy G. But then from Billy G, he went to the one. Um, becoming the one, he was able to feud with Eddie Guerrero for a short period of time and also with Chris Benoit. He won the IC belt, I think, for like 20 days during that time. Uh, twice. Uh, I think he won it twice, actually. Um, but then, after that, um, he, uh, he switched back over to... What did he do after that? Oh, yeah, he left a few months later because he got hurt, so... Um, (laughs) Billy Gunn. Yep, Billy Gunn in a nutshell. Uh, let's see, Adam, you had... Sorry, you had the one Billy Gunn at number eight on your list. What do you have to say about him? The one who gets hurt. Um, I always just giggle when I hear this this moniker uh, for a couple reasons. Uh, you know, when I hear the phrase "the one," you know, my mind goes to the first Matrix movie, uh, which was, you know, uh, this gimmick evolved uh, not too much long after the movie came out, and you know, if you recall, Keanu Reeves' character Neo is the one who's gonna who's gonna save everybody from the Matrix, and they made him a badass, and he, you know, he knew kung fu, and he could dodge bullets, and he could kick people's asses and stuff. So when I'm hearing the one, I'm thinking, okay, somebody pretty freaking spectacular shed this moniker, and no, it's Billy Gunn. Uh, and it's like, well, why is he the one? Uh, he's a mid-carder. Because he's it got, rhymes with Billy Gunn. I guess. He's got <laughs> no charisma whatsoever at this point. Um, you know, because as Bob mentioned, 
you know, the Mr. Ass thing had to be dropped because he lost, uh, he lost the gimmick. So he's just, like Tony mentioned, he's wandering around, uh, you know, he, he kind of came off to me as like that guy in high school who graduated like three years ago and still hangs around the high school and hangs around the high school kids because he's trying to continue to live his glory days. That's kind of what it was. He's like, he's trying to walk around just acting like Mr. Ass, but he can't. And then he's like, well, but I, I still got China as my friend. And it, it, it just had no direction. And just to go, ooh, this is the one. And, like, well, he's a loser. He he, he just he, he brings nothing to the table. It just it was just irony at its finest. And, uh, you know, the, the kick-ass team song aside, um, again, uh, much better suited as a tag wrestler, obviously. Yeah. Well, there you go. At number five, with 16 points, it is the one, Billy Gunn. All right, let's get to number four. Number four comes in with num- with 17 points, and he got the 17 points from being number six on both my list and Bob's list. And, Adam, you had this at number four on your list. It is where he got the Billy Gunn name, Billy Gunn, part of the Smoking Guns. Coming in at number four with 17 points. Adam, tell us about Billy Gunn of the Smoking Guns. Um, we'll probably hear that maybe later, I hope. Uh, uh, so, uh, yes, Billy Gunn first made himself known on our television screens uh, as one half of a of a brother tandem uh, who rode who rode in on horses and told the us all that they were going to fight the good, the bad, and the ugly. And uh, they acted like cowboys, but I don't think Billy uh, had any cowboy in him. He did his best. He grew the stash and wore the cowboy boots and jeans, and as did Bart. And um, they were a team for you know, a good three, four years there. Um, and they won the tag team titles a bunch of times. Now, the tag team pool at that time was pretty shallow. Um, you know, you had Well Done walking around at that time. You had Men on a Mission, the Quebecers. Uh, so the tag team scene wasn't exactly, you know, uh, like it is in a company like AEW now, for instance. But, uh, you know, they were still they still won several team uh, tag team titles. Um, but, again, um, together... They were fine apart from each other uh, when they tried to split them and make him go single or, as Bob mentions, Billy would get hurt. Uh, they really brought nothing to the table, which isn't completely their fault because back then, too, tag team wrestlers seemed to just be thing one and thing two back then. Like A lot of them didn't have successful singles runs, a uh, few exceptions, but... So it was just, it was like, without each other, they were pretty useless. But uh, uh, they got they made things interesting uh, when Sonny became their manager, and I think they were fighting over her at some point in time, and and, and beginning to, the cracks were beginning to fade, uh, show. And so uh, the team was disbanded, and we fast-forward to Rockabilly, where we started the show. So uh, I put him high up just because uh, it was one of his more successful runs, um, and it got him on the map, but it's nothing to write home about, but he's had much worse. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I remember, <clears throat> you know, this is, uh, you know, the new generation era, you know, so it's uh-huh. a kind of a low point, 
in uh, WWE when the Smoking Guns are around. You know, they're mem- they're a memorable tag team. Uh, Billy and Bart Gunn coming out, you know, shooting their cap guns into the air. And, you know, <laughs> did, uh, I... <laughs> I forgot about the cap guns. Yeah, man. And the, oh, yes. Just, I don't know why they thought Cowboys would go over, but then again, this is a very gimmick-heavy gimmick heavy era of WWE, so they would do whatever the fuck they, they thought would try and get over. And the Smoking Guns were, like you said, Adam, pretty successful. And uh, Billy held his own in that tag team. But, you know, after a while, it was just another team. And when they were gone, barely anybody noticed, you know. So, like you said, Rockabilly's on deck and uh, the rest is history, I guess. But, you know, the Smoking Guns, while they were there with the with the success that they had, I think it, he, he does deserve to be up in the top five uh, at number 17. Bob, you had... Uh, Billy Gunn of the Smoking Guns at number six on your list as well. What do you have to say about him? You you called it out uh, when you were talking about how they were very um, gimmick-friendly during that time. Billy Gunn was a professional bull rider um, before he became a professional wrestler. So just like the story of uh, Tony, Ant- Tony Anthony when Vince McMahon asked him, what was your side job? And he was like, I'm a plumber. That's what he made him as a plumber. And Chris Jericho saying before in his book, if I would have came in and told him that my dad was a famous hockey player, I would have been the goon. Um, you know, so very, uh, very related to that. So, yeah, uh, Billy Gunn was a professional bull rider, hence the cowboy gimmick. Um, they won the tag team titles three times in a really crappy wrestling division, like Adam said. Well done. And the, the Blue Twins and the new Rock and Roll Express and... But, I mean, twice during those reigns, again, Billy Gunn hurts his neck, and he had to be out for some time during the first uh, title reign. And the second time, uh, when the when they disband and Billy walks out on Bart, is again, because Billy was hurt, and he needed time to recover in order to become Rockabilly, um, which we talked about earlier. So, Unfortunately, the injury bug strikes again. Yep, but not before Billy Gunn gets up to number four on our list. With 17 points. All right, let's get to number three on our list. We're at the top three, and this one comes in with 21 points. And he got the 21 points from being number seven on Adam's list. It was number three on my list. And, Bob, you had this at number two on your list. Mr. Ass coming in at number three with 21 points. Bob, you had this at number two, so we'll start with you. Tell us about Mr. Ass. So this was in like 99, 2000. Um, The New Age Outlaws were at at their popularity with DX, and then they kind of decided to uh, split them off and let them do their own things, let them go solo for a bit. So he he went solo. He, um, He won the IC belt. Um, also won the Hardcore title belt during that time from our boy Hardcore Holly. Um, lost it back to him at WrestleMania 15. And then they start, um, he starts feuding with the Road Dog. Um, I believe this was during that time, was it this time that he won the King of the Ring? 
during this I gimmick. Believe so. I believe so, yeah. Yeah. I believe he won the... Yeah, uh, so then he wins the King of the Ring. Um, they start feuding with the Road Dog and X-Pac over the DX name, um, if you remember that. Um, eventually they bring back the New Age Outlaws once again, and if I tell you that... Billy Gunn as Mr. Ass hurts himself. Uh, I'm sure you would not believe me, but he tore his rotator cuff um, and he gets injured. And then that's when he he eventually comes back as Mr. Ass after Chuck and Billy are broken apart because he had come back from an injury again. And that's when they put him in a feud with Jamie Noble and he's just wrestling mostly on velocity during that time and eventually he just... Uh, does his own thing and leaves. So, um, memorable, memorable gimmick because it kind of pushed him off. He was known as a, a tag specialist with the New Age Outlaws during that time, but uh, they they let him do a solo thing for a bit. But again, it kind of after the King of the Ring, it kind of just floundered and went nowhere. Yeah, I mean, Mister Ass. It was the the most memorable thing about the whole Mister Ass thing is like you know his the trunks. You know, he had the the bright green trunks with, you know, or the yellow ones with Mr. Ass painted on him. He would walk, he walked on the, the, the ramp backwards, shaking his ass with Mr. Ass on it. You know, it was, yeah, you know, took it a little bit too far. We get it. You know, you like to kick him. You like to kiss him. You like to, you know, whatever. Um, but I don't know. Like it just seemed it was what it came off as, which is just an extension of him in the New Age Outlaws. You know, it was just him solo. So, I mean, there's not much differential between Mr. Ass and Badass Billy Gunn. Just that, you know, he, Road Dog wasn't there. And without Road Dog being there, it took a little of the shine off. So that's why... Uh, it only gets up to number three on my list. Uh, Bob, or uh, Adam, what do you have to say when it comes to Mr. Ass? Yeah, uh, I didn't rate this as high on me. You know, I have terrible memories of those trunks still that I can't eradicate when we talk about it. The song, too, uh, not my favorite. Um, whatchamacallit, I had a friend in high school. Uh, we had the right sonnets in English class, and... and so this was a couple of years before this gimmick came out, but my friend wrote a sonnet about his ass. So um, I'm like, mm. boy, that's a guy who really likes to think about asses. If you could, if you're going to write a whole sonnet about it, well, I guess maybe Vince Russo got his hands, or McMahon got his hands out of that piece of paper, and yeah, that was the gimmick. He's a guy who likes asses, all shapes and forms, uh, and he likes to shake it, like you said, and and kiss them and. Uh, kick him. Yeah, kick him too. Although, well, yeah, and arguably that was his most successful run uh, as a singles wrestler, uh, you know, winning the King of the Ring and such um, and stuff. And that was probably the most over he was, uh, you know, with being attached to DX and all that stuff. But, yeah, again, it was just a a ridiculous, stupid gimmick that that I didn't care for. But, uh, you know... Uh, did bring him some success, and, and again, um, that was just a sign. That, again, 
Billy changes with the times because that was when they were really pushing the attitude stuff hard, and uh, he was Mr. Ass, so that was one of the most, uh, you know, things that people found the most offensive back then. So I guess in, in that way he was at the forefront, but again, just another not so great uh, singles uh, gimmick for him. And I mm-hmm. think that was when the Rock tore him a new one right after King of the Ring because I think oh, they wanted him to, yeah and I think they wanted The Rock to work with them and that was The Rock's way of uh uh-uh, uh ain't doing this yeah I, mean, I think you're right I think I got the the one wrong and it was it was Mr. S either way he couldn't he couldn't stay on the mic with The Rock a few people could well and you mentioned Road Dog not being there and, and not being able you know not having him as a voice really hurt the character too yeah well, even still, Mr. Ass gets to number three on our list with 21 points. All right, we're at number two, our penultimate pick. And this one comes in with 26 points. And he got the 26 points from being number four on Bob's list. It was number two on my list. And Adam, this was your A number one pick. It's his most current iteration, Daddy Ass, coming in at number two. With 26 points. Adam, tell us about Daddy S. Uh, again, uh, I mentioned pandemic seed filler, Billy Gunn, earlier. Um, I'm like, what, what? This guy's a waste of time. You know, why do they have him? This guy's knocking on 60. He's sitting in the front row being a cheerleader. I'm sure he's helping out backstage. You know, and stuff like that. And but I mean, really, why is he taking up time on my TV? As we've illustrated, most of his singles gimmicks are were awful. So, um, you know, wasn't a huge fan of him being around AEW. Um, he was there after during the pandemic, I suppose, and after uh, his sons, uh, you know, the Gun Club. He managed them at first. And uh, they were on Dark a lot, so I didn't see too much of them. Um, then they started to do a gimmick with the with the Gun Club and uh, the Acclaimed, where they where they were all hanging together. And they uh, they did the, whoever was behind this. It was brilliant. They did this whole uh, good sons and bad sons things, where Billy was was always scolding his kids and and and, and showing special affection and adulation for for the acclaimed like the there's one segment where all four of them were out partying and he's yelling at his sons for you know for partying and not taking their job seriously and then there's there's max and anthony pass out the court oh look how cute they are they're sleeping and 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 stuff like that and very 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 progressively i'm like i like what they're doing with billy it's a lot of fun and then all of a sudden you know uh, of course the team's start to feud and, and hate each other and Billy sides the acclaimed and uh, the rest is history um, we're about a year uh, about a year ago they were arguably the hottest thing in AEW, uh, one of the hottest acts and uh, Billy's a part of it you know, he would come out, do the scissors uh, scissor me daddy ass uh, the, uh, the acclaimed came out a couple times this week wrestled without him and it just felt incomplete without him, he just integrated as a part of that team you know they'd wrestle trios or he'd wrestle singles match here and there we'd always be ringside with them and you know these these two hip dudes are are uh mentored by uh, a former 60 year old bull rider and the combination works and it's 
it's fun and it's entertaining and you know uh everybody when he hung the boots up a couple weeks ago were you know legitimately sad uh and i never thought i'd i'd care one way or the other if he retired uh but uh yeah uh, i just i just love what they did with the gimmick they just, they just finally got it right with them uh so based on that it has to be number one on my list because a lot of these other gimmicks i could give a shit about but but this uh this it was just fun it brought levity to a to a serious product yeah well i have it at number two on my list and that's because this is the most over billy gun has been since the new age outlaws i don't think there's a doubt about it i mean the second that pro wrestling tees rolled out that scissor me daddy ass t-shirt i was like holy fuck you know it's like billy gunn is back in the big time and yeah i mean a lot of it goes with to the acclaimed but you can't you can't minimize his role in it you know he's very endearing um he's still got it in the ring you know he can still go um and yeah the crowd just loves him now and he's become just an integral part of one of the more over tag teams in AEW and if you would have told me you know 2 3 years ago that Billy Gunn would be over in AEW I'd have thought you were smoking crack but you know hey good for Billy he deserves he deserves you know if this is going to be his curtain call he deserves to go out as over as he has been with uh, with the acclaimed. Bob, you had uh, Daddy Ass at number four on your list. What do you have to say about him? I completely agree with you 100% where you say it's uh, the most over he's been since uh, the New Age Outlaw days. Um, my brother and I were at the show when they were wrestling. Um, the Swerve in Our Glory at the pay-per-view. And the crowd just started chanting the uh, Oh Scissor Me Daddy chant. And that just was loud as hell. Uh, one of the first times I had ever heard that. And it was just fun. And, like, he, you know, he was all into it. And, like I said, he coming out with the acclaim during their skits. Um, just always a lot of fun to see them all together. And, I, like Adam said, you know, seeing them in the ring lately and Billy Gunn's not there, it kind of throws the product off. Today they teased uh, House of Black. Um, you know, with Billy Gunn's boots in the ring, and you know, so they're kind of teasing a return coming up pretty soon. Uh, so we'll see how that goes. But um, yeah, it's I, like you guys said, it's the most over he's been since uh, since back in the day. Yeah. So uh, there we go. At number two with twenty six points, it is Daddy Ass. All right, well, that brings us to our number one pick. But before we do, like we told you at the beginning, we're going to give you our top five Billy Gunn themes of all time. Um, Instead of working from one to five like we usually do, with the honorable mentions, we're going to go from five to one. Because these also have, um, you know, a point value that, you know, these are an honorable mention. So... It's kind of like a, its own mini countdown in a, in and of itself. So let's start with number five on our best themes list. Um, I don't have this clip, so Bob, you're going to have to explain it to us because it was number three on your list. It's the theme for Cute Kip. Oh. 
coming in at number five with three points. Tell us about this one, Bob. I'll find it for you. Um, Cute Kip was when he came in in TNA Impact uh, after the James Gang and the Voodoo Kin Mafia had broken up. Uh, He became a part of the TNA Beautiful uh, People Stable with uh, Angelina Love, Velvet Sky, Madison Rain. Uh, He was like their... um, they're fashionists, they're stylists, kind of like how Rico was for them. Um, so this was like in 2008. Um, let me find you his theme song from this time. Uh, I will find it right now. Give me a second. It was pretty bad. Yeah. <clears throat> Cute kids. So it pretty much shows him with the beautiful people. I guess it was their theme song as well. And it just would say, uh, the beautiful people uh, beating up one ugly person at a time. And it just shows him coming out with the girls the entire time. But I thought the song was kind of catchy. It was one of his better ones out there. So they were cleansing the world of all the ugly persons one at a time. So. Kind of sounds like Angry Chair from Alice in Chains a little bit. Kind of, yes. I, yeah. And I think that's why it's still up to me. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, like I said, I never really watched TNA, so I didn't know what the, the theme was. But yeah, it seems like, you know, how WCW used to do old grunge themes back in the day. Yeah. Yes. That, do, that sounds like a, pre, like a pretty big play off of Angry Chair by, by Alice in Chains. Uh, yeah, not bad. Not, not bad, bad for cute for cute Kip. Um, but yeah. I'll listen to Angry Chair on the way to work tomorrow. <laughs> there you go. Alright, so that's number five on our list, the theme for cute Kip. Alright, let's get to number four on our list. Number four comes in with six points, and it got the six points from being number five on Adam's list, number four on Bob's list, and it was number three on my list. Here we go. You're an asshole. (laughs) (laughs) Who the fuck is that guy singing? The same guy who sings I Got It All. I know. It's like Billy was a stylist, but uh, he had his own personal vocalist. I saw him uh, open up for uh, Loverboy in a sports fight on the road. <laughs> that, that's that's one of the most horrible. I think Bob Dylan wrote. The, I think Bob Dylan wrote the lyrics under an assumed name. Yeah, it may be maybe secret. Uh, Billy Gunn. It was our boy Jim Johnson. Yeah, Jim Johnson. Well, was he the one singing it? He wrote the lyrics. Oh, he wrote the song lyrics. And lyrics. Okay. No, he, he sang it. He sang it. Song and lyrics. Wow, so it was Jim Johnson. Oh, okay. Man. That's oh. disappointing to me. <laughs> he loves to kick him. He loves to 
eat them. He loves to whatever the hell he wants to do with them. <laughs> but yeah, that's uh, that Shove is them and sick them. Yeah, exactly. That Man is uh, ass, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> that is our number four theme for Billy Gunn. I'm an ass man for Mr. Ass. All right, let's get to number three on our list. Number three comes in with nine yeah. points. What's Did up? you know there's actually lyrics to the song? The, what? There's actually lyrics I, to the to the song that, that you were talking what? about. Well, yeah, I, I, I no, but yeah. more, more like detailed. So many asses, so little time. Only what? a tight one can stop me on a dime. I'm a lover of every kind. The best surprises always stick up from behind. Buns oh. of glory, buns of steel. Your ass will give away the truth of how I feel. You walk behind me, I feel the heat. That's why the girls don't walk behind me down the street, because I'm an ass man. Oh, go. I didn't need to hear those. <laughs> it's just... Uh, 13-year-old boy. <laughs> yeah. Well, there we go. At number four, with six points, uh, I'm an ass man. My opinion to Jim Johnson went down a little bit. That's too bad. I was <laughs> hey, they can't, all be, they, they can't all be bangers. Yeah, that's right. true. Let's get to number three on our list. Number three comes in with nine points, and he got the nine points for being number four on my list, number three on Adam's list, and number two on Bob's list. Here we go. The acclaimed, top of the chain, so I bet you know the name. Getting all the fans entertained. The acclaimed, running in the game, and we in our own lane. The acclaimed theme coming in at number three with nine points. It's one of those songs like when you hear the glass break for Austin, you hear that that sound at the beginning. It just everyone hops up and just pops. So it's very cool in that way. And then of course you got the awesome uh, the awesome raps over over it from Max. Yeah. And you know, it's it's iconic. It's one of the best. It's one of the better themes in AEW. It's memorable. So yeah, I can totally see how it got to number three on our list. Uh, Bob, you had a number two. Anything you want to say about the acclaimed theme? No, like you guys said, it sticks out a lot. Um, Adam nailed it when he said that it's one of those things that as soon as you hear it, your ears perk up because you want to know what Max Caster has to say, and a lot of times you're laughing your ass off at what he has to say. and um, So, yeah, it's, it's enjoyable. Yeah. And it's at number three with nine points, the acclaimed theme. All right, let's get to number two on our list. Number two comes in with ten points, and he got the ten points for being number five on Bob's list. It was number two on my list, and Adam... This was your number one pick. <laughs> they sampled the uh, the the uh, saxophone from Val Venus's theme. Got to get it at least to the chorus. Oh, 
Got it all. Except for charisma. Except for a good storyline. Good character. Only Maggie's got it all. Oh, sweet Jesus. The, the thing that makes me laugh so hard about it, you know, I'm a sucker for a good uh, 80s riff, but this song came out in fucking, what, 99, 2000, and that music was so, like, out. It was so dated even back it was then, so yeah. Dated what you know, not only the guitar riff, but then the friggin' saxophone comes in <laughs> like you know, like it's the end of Jewel Denial and you're listening to the Going Gets Tough by Billy Ocean, you know, it's like what the fuck is this doing in here? It was just you it know It does. It sounds like the theme to a TGIF sitcom. It, it, whoever had that, that was Miller Boyette Productions theme was a genius because that's exactly brilliant. what that is. And again, back then, you know, we were just talking about Jim Johnson. A lot of his themes are just iconic, and 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 they were really killer songs. And this one is not. <laughs> it's just dated and, and 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 ridiculous, like the one gimmick itself. So I guess in that way, it encapsulated him. Yeah. Anything to add to? I've got it all, Bob. No, you guys nailed it. <laughs> <laughs> The sax at the beginning is still the best part. Exactly. Yeah, yeah the fucking saxophone, man. Well, maybe, that was, maybe it was the big man from uh, Springsteen's band. Under mm, name. Yeah, maybe. He's not going to take credit. Well, he's dead now, but even if he wasn't, he wouldn't know. take credit for it. But. Clarence? Clarence Clemens. Yeah. Let's not spread rumors and say that he was the one playing the saxophone. I don't want to <laughs> upset his estate. Um, but yeah, I got it all. From the one Billy Gunn coming in at number two with ten points. All right, and here we go. Our n- number one theme for Billy Gunn coming in with fourteen points, and he got the fourteen points from being number two on Adam's list, and it was number one on both mine and Bob's list, of course. The New Age Outlaws theme coming in at number one with 14 points. I mean, it's it's iconic. It's one of the most well-known theme songs in WWE history. Fans sing along to it. I mean, a lot of it has to do with, with uh, Road Dog. He's the one who gets it going. Um, you know, it's, you know, up there of the, the themes of the Attitude Era as far as, like, such an indelible impact that it had. And, you know, I know it. Billy Gunn was just kind of along for the ride because, like I said, it's a lot of it's propelled for by, uh, by the Road Dog. But he came out to it. It was his theme, the New Age Outlaws theme, coming in at number one with 14 points. Bob, you also had this at number one on your list. What do you have to say about it? 
the biggest thing I think was the road dog uh, with the lyrics and what he had to say um, because I, I want to say remember when they came out with their CDs and you could go buy out the CDs uh, and you could actually listen to it um, when the road dog would come out to the ring you know he would spit his rap and spit his lyrics and stuff like that but in the actual CD all he says is oh you didn't know your ass better call somebody and then that was it and all you just yeah. heard was you know the the rest of the rift over and over again and after that like it's kind of boring it was kind of a dull song but the fact of what the road dog did to it was kind of like what we talked about with the acclaimed um you know he he made it important he made it stick out so you wanted to hear what he had to say and that's why it was more memorable that way but um yeah like you said it was it was all about what the road dog did to it that made it special especially during that attitude era dx time so that's why it still yeah. stands out for me as the best one for how about you, Adam? Yeah, at number two, not quite. I've got it all, but uh, it you have it. In... It didn't have a saxophone. No, it didn't. That's the only strike against it. Um, yeah, you guys are right on the money. Um, yeah, it's, it parallels the acclaim to this day. You know, uh, you just hear the opening notes there, and you know, you, you get up, you, everybody pops. You get up, you wait to see what Roll Dog's gonna say. Yeah, he. By far, he was he was the he was the driving force uh, on the mic, and made it unique. Um, and musically too, it kind of fits them. At the like you know, especially early on, which I'm sure we're going to talk about shortly. Um, they were rascals and, and, and <laughs> at the beginning, and did all sorts of underhanded stuff. And the music kind of fits them too. Um, again, Jim Johnson, uh, you know. A few songs aside, uh, really tapped into how the uh, the wrestlers' uh, personalities with a lot of these songs. That's another good example. Yeah. So there we go. Our top theme for Billy Gunn is the New Age Outlaws theme, which is pretty, you know, pretty uh, fortunate because at number one in our top gimmicks theme or top gimmicks list. Coming in with 29 points, it got 29 points because, like the themes, it was number one on Bob and my list, and it was number two on Adam's list. Badass Billy Gunn coming in at number one for our Billy Gunn gimmicks uh, with 29 points. Um, you know, if if you don't, if you have a problem with that, I got two words for you. Um, that's. This is the most over that Billy Gunn has ever been in his career. I know that the acclaimed, um, he's very over now with the acclaimed, but um, it's nothing compared to how over he was with the New Age Outlaws and with and with the Road Dog. These guys were at at the pinnacle of tag team wrestling uh, when they were at their hottest, and you know. Billy Gunn had, you know, he had he had a lot to do with it. I know the mouthpiece was the Road Dog, but Billy Gunn could get it done in the ring, and he was a major part of that tag team. And I'm not going to sell him short when it comes to the New Age Outlaws. He deserves his flowers when it comes to that tag team as well. It wasn't all just Road Dog. So, yeah, I it, it's the most over he was. He had the most accomplished era of his career. Totally deserves to be number one. Um, Bob, what do you have to say when it comes to uh, badass Billy Gunn being the number one gimmick in Billy Gunn's career? I agree with you 100%. Um, 
It was the most over he got uh, during that Attitude Era. Um, you know, when they were joining DX, they were one of the most popular, if not the popular, most popular tag team uh, during that Attitude Era. There was no one that could really touch them. Um, Adam nailed it earlier with calling them rascals and doing the shit that they would do. You know, the the destroying of the Legion of Doom and cutting the mohawk and shaving the hair and you know the uh, the dumpster match with Mick Foley and uh, Terry Funk. You know, the stuff throwing them off there. It's like they uh, they were rebellious and they were a perfect fit for DX. And um, you know, they each played their own niche the the perfect way that it should have been. And and, and Billy was was right there with them and you know he stood out uh as like the powerhouse of the tag team uh with with the new age outlaws but they uh they were a very successful tag team during that time and um like you said it's the most over that he he ever was in his career and it was for a reason so he's that's to me is his most well-known gimmick all right how about you adam you had him in number two on your list what do you say about badass billy gunn yeah i mean the thing that, like you said, that he and Road Dog deserved their flowers on. I mean, this was one of those, you know, we got nothing for you. You know, we talked about Rockabilly to start the show. Uh, the Road Dog, or the Roadie gimmick wasn't much better. Uh, I'm, I'm the real voice behind with my baby tonight. Oh, well, that's something to brag about. Um, you know, they had nothing. These guys' careers were going nowhere. It's like, ah, let's just throw these guys together and and, uh, you know, they had every reason to fail um, because I'm sure the office wasn't behind them, but but yet uh, they made it work, and they deserve a lot of credit. Uh, as you both mentioned, Royal Dog was was more the mic guy, and Billy got it done in the ring more. Um, but, yeah, together, again, um, I'm glad Bob brought up all the heel stuff they would do, pushing Dumpster off the ramp. I think JR's still upset about that. <laughs> um, Damn and, there are two human beings in there. Uh, and then, you know, they stole the headbangers boombox and, you know, all, all, all sorts of stuff like that. Uh, shaving the Mohawks um, and all that. Uh, I, I really I definitely got him over his heels. And then later on, their debauchery uh, fit DX like a glove when they were, uh, you know, retooling it after Michaels had to leave because he was injured. Um, and they were among the most popular characters in WWF at that time. So, so yeah, um, great choice for number one. I just like daddy ass a little bit better. It's all good. <laughs> Not a problem. Well, there we go, folks. That is our list, our top ten list of the best gimmicks in the career of Billy Gunn or Monty Sop, if you want to call him Monty Sop. Yes, I can't believe he never wrestled under that name. Yeah. Yeah, that catchy name. Um, yeah, let's let's go back through our top ten list like we do every week. We'll start at number ten, coming in with seven points. It is Rockabilly. At number nine with eight points, it is Pandemic Seat Filler Billy Gun. At number eight with eleven points, it is Kip James. At number seven with thirteen points, it is The Outlaw. At number six, with 15 points, it is Billy of Chuck and Billy fame. Um, at number five, with 16 points, it is the one Billy Gunn. Saxophone. Uh, at number four, with 17 points, it is Billy Gunn of the Smoking Guns. At number three, with 21 points, it is Mr. Ass. 
At number two with 26 points, it is Daddy Ass. And like we just said, at number one, the top gimmick in Billy Gunn's career, it is badass Billy Gunn of the New Age Outlaws. So there you have it. That's our list. Uh, Bob, what do you think? Is this a fair representation and a fair celebration of the career of Billy Gunn? I do. Um, He's had a long, um, unfortunately not healthy career. Um, But (laughs) it makes that stand out for some good reasons, many for the wrong reasons. But uh, it was definitely fun to uh, journey down the uh, the life of the one Billy Gunn. Yeah. How about you, Adam? Fair representation? Oh, yeah. And I had fun doing it, um, you know, just uh, to go over someone's career and, you know, laugh a lot about it and, and celebrate the good moments as well. Um yeah, again, as Bob mentioned, uh, until until we did this, I didn't realize how Marty was by injury. But at the same time, he's been he's been in the game now for almost thirty years, if not already. Um, and again, to be as over as he is, uh, knocking on sixty years old, um, you know, you got to give the guy credit. He's he's managed to stay relevant in the business for that long. I mean, there's most of it in the WWE, but he's had stops in TNA and worked his way back to WWE and then now he's in AEW and it's one of his most popular gimmicks so uh, you know, uh, the guy the guy, uh, he's doing well in the business uh, after all this time so yeah he's, he's got to get his props but it was, it was fun to track his career I just don't want to think about the, the Mr. Ass attire yeah alright well there you have it our top 10 Billy Gunn gimmicks Well, that's the show, ladies and gentlemen. But before we go, like we do every week, let's give you our match of the week picks. These are matches that we will give for you to watch in the meantime, in between time, before we get to you with our next episode. Adam, let's start with you. What's your match of the week pick this week? I'm a little late to the party on this one uh, because the last episode we recorded, I hadn't seen this match yet, but I've seen it now. Uh, FTR versus... uh, uh, Jay White, Juice Robinson, two or three falls on collision uh, for the tag team titles. Just if you like tag team wrestling, this is this is uh, this is your bag. Um, it's got everything in it. Uh, all four of these guys just kill it in the ring. Um, so much fun to watch. Uh, the crowd is super into it. Also, um, again, uh, you know, for for people like Vince McMahon who think tag team wrestling is dead. Just watch this match and uh, and think again. Um, you know, and every week it seems like FTR is just killing it. Um, their tag matches, no matter who they face, but this one, uh, part of the pun is the pinnacle. And a uh, very wise move uh, for Tony Khan to resign these guys because they're, they're lighting it up every, every Saturday. Um, and I'm looking forward to their match with the Bucks at All In. Alright. Well Bob, how about you? What's your match of the week pick this week? Um, SummerSlam was twelve days ago. Uh not sure if you guys watched it. Uh Seth Rollins and Finn Balor had a, a great match for the heavyweight championship. Uh but I really enjoyed um the triple threat match for the women's title. It was uh Bianca Belair 
Asuka and Charlotte Flair. Um, the last two, three minutes of that match was just nonstop. Um, and then afterwards, uh, Io Shirai, or Io Sky as they call her now, uh, she comes in and she cashes in the money in the bank um, to win the, the women's belt after Bianca had just won it. Um, but yeah, that, uh, that match was great. You got a chance to check it out, like I said, especially the last three minutes. Yeah, I agree. My my uh, match of the week also comes from SummerSlam. Um, I wouldn't say it was the best match of the of the night, but um, I really there was something about the Cody Rhodes Brock Lesnar match that kind of stuck with me for a bit. Um, you know, it, it's it didn't really differentiate itself from any of the other matches they had, um, but. Cody came out on top in this one, and at the end, Brock shows respect, gives him the handshake, and uh, yeah, gets, I guess, the Brock seal of approval, which also kind of is a nod that Brock's now going to go into hibernation until probably uh, Royal Rumble. Um, So yeah, uh, Brock's going to be on the shelf, but um, it was kind of cool to have that moment between... Brock and Cody uh, with you know with Brock putting him over as a worthy contender to uh, Reigns' championship which I think is what they're going to be building towards now um, if they ever make sense of this whole bloodline shit uh, so um, but yeah that it, like I said I, I'm acknowledging it, it wasn't the best match of the night but it was a match that I, I really enjoyed, so I'm gonna get I'm gonna say that the the Brock Lesnar, Cody Rhodes match from SummerSlam. Give that one a, a watch. All right, well that's the show for this week. We want to hear from you. Uh, there's two ways to do that. Uh, you can email us. Our email address is enhancementtalent316 at gmail.com. Again, that's the enhancementtalent316 at gmail.com. Or do what everybody else does. Find us on Facebook. Uh, look us up. Just type in the Enhancement Talent in the search bar. And you'll come to our Enhancement Talent fan page. Uh, click the join button and join our community. You can do whatever you like. You can post comments, uh, show ideas, uh, poll questions. Anything you want to do in the world of wrestling. We make a lot of great friends. Um out there, like our friends Perry and Jimmy, the the real four horsemen group that uh that uh has, has been part of the our Facebook fan page for a while now. Um, yeah, we just love interacting with you guys. So find us on Facebook, click that join button, and become part of the community. Also, wherever you stream uh, the podcast, uh, whatever prep platform you listen to us on. Uh, click the join button or the follow button or whatever it is subscribe that helps us out on the algorithm and it helps us out uh listener wise uh we we want as high of a rating as possible so if you could just click join we'd really appreciate it all right well that's the show for this week so for the warsaw blonde himself adam kolovic and for the other half of the fabulous lopez cousins dr bob lopez I'm Tony Lopez. We will see you again next week. Have a happy and safe week. Until then, we'll talk to you later. Bye-bye. See ya. Thanks.